like we call this podcast the recruit grind, but this is like the, the definition, like just you as a person, this is like the definition of grinding, man. Like, yeah, it is unreal. <laughs> some time now we're going to get into that story but brandon how you doing i'm doing good i'm doing good how about yourself you know i'm good uh, i'm doing probably a little bit but you probably sore right now but i don't know you might be used to <laughs> no yeah yeah that was a tough workout today but yeah i've been i've been doing this for like you know the past uh five years now so yeah. try to do it as much as i can just you know get on the mats and you know get out there and get some good conditioning and some work in i mean you got to do it you're taking care of your body at that level you, you just have to right yep it's uh, it translates well too. You know, you football is a physical sport, so you know you get out there, do some M- MMA. You know, you train your body to you know get just get ready for contact and the condition and everything. It just, it, it's I recommend it for any, especially offensive or defensive line. Yeah, which I was, I, I was I was online guy myself, and uh, unfortunately I've been out of the game for a minute, and I still look like I play online, so I gotta I gotta make some changes. But, uh, uh, but, but anyway, let, let's, let's dive in, man. You, you, you have a really unique background and you're coming out of Omaha, Nebraska. And I, I have to be honest with you. It's, it's not that I, uh, don't think that there's any talent coming out of Omaha. That's not the thing. I just, I'm uneducated when it comes to Omaha, Nebraska. I've never had to focus on Omaha's recruiting grounds for me, uh, personally, but, how is football at the high school level in Omaha? Walk us through it a little bit. It's, it's, it's been a while since I've been there to give you like a, a, a true, you know, boots on the ground kind of answer. But man, when I was there, we had we had great players, man. Uh, I played at a class A school, Omaha North High School. Um, just a lot of good players that got overlooked. You know, a lot of yeah. uh, big time college never at that time didn't really come to the area to recruit uh, Omaha. So it's changed a lot. But um, a lot of good players that get overlooked, uh, especially throughout my time there. Just guys just as good as anywhere else. Obviously, the population is not as high as California, Texas, Georgia, or Florida. But you got some good football players, and it's it's, it's a football state. So you know the guys, the uh, the guys live and live and breathe high school football over there. And you say you know a lot of guys got overlooked. What what do you think the reason for that was? And you say it's, it's changed since then, probably a little bit. But what do you think the reason for for that was? One, it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's literally, you know, uh, the closest major city is Kansas City, maybe a two-hour drive. And then you got maybe Chicago or St. Louis, four or five hours away. But nothing close by that would have you, you know, in a place like Omaha by mistake. You know, if you, if you wanted to go there, it's by choice. So there's nothing that would lead you there. But, you know, just how, how it was when, when I came up is just maybe the stereotypes that there aren't good players there. It's just not worth your time to go there and, you know, check it out. Uh, you're, you're far better served just, you know, just 
you know, I hate to say it, but taking an easy route, you know, going to South Florida or Texas yeah. or whatever. But, you know, uh, maybe yeah. the guys just didn't want to put in the work, but you, you definitely got some some great athletes coming out of there. I love that you said that. It is. It's one of those where, like I said, I, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Utah, and I mean, mm-hmm. no, you say Utah, ain't nobody coming out to Utah, like yeah, no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but there is like there's a lot of good players there, and I, and I I'm with you, so I can relate to that in a lot of ways. Um, and, and often guys getting overlooked. What what was it that you believe you did? Because obviously we, we'll get into you getting into JUCO uh, at first, but uh, obviously you had the opportunity to get to the next level. Uh, what was it that you believe you did that made you separate from the crowd in that sense? Man, one is, you know, it's a little corny, a little cliche, but I believed in myself, man. That's, that was the, the, the difference from me and guys who may have been better than me or guys who, you know, were in similar, you know, places athletically or skill-wise or even career-wise at the time. The separators was, I believed, and I knew that, you know, this the hard work that I was putting in now would pay off, so no matter what it was looking like, you know, it looked bleak at times. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I didn't even, you know, make varsity until my junior year and I didn't play until my senior year, but I always believed, like, I always, you know, I, me personally, my goal, I always wanted to go Division One. I. I wanted to, you know, obviously play at the University of Nebraska, but I wanted to go Division One, and, you know, I wanted to go to the NFL and I knew exactly what I had to do, you know, to get there, which was, you know, just put in the work. And that's what I did. And then, uh, you know, different steps throughout my journey. Uh, I saw these things come and actualize and realize and, you know, but long, to answer your question, man, I, I, I believe. And that's half the battle, right? It's yeah, not getting beat yeah. down because yep. a lot of these kids nowadays, especially when you start seeing other kids getting offers, like, did you have other guys on the team that were getting opportunities? Man, so. Um, and it was a while I, ago. I'm making you think. It, it, I apologize. It, 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 <laughs> there, there, there was no one on my team who was a qualifier who had a Division One offer. Uh, oh, a good wow. friend of mine, yeah, Travis Green had an offer to Kansas State, but he wasn't a qualifier, so he couldn't accept it. But other than that, uh, no one, no one in my school from actually from class of 2007 um, until maybe actually like 2014 even got a Division One offer, and that was like throwing some names out there that you guys probably don't know, but. Uh, Niles Paul and Phillip Bates were actually, I think, the last guys in my high school for a long time that got a Division One offer. Both of those guys ended up playing in the NFL. But now, when you say yeah. qualifier, I'm assuming you're referring to the eligibility center, like at, yes, yeah. So none yes. of them, none of them were even made it through. But just no, talented no. guys just didn't have the grades for it. Didn't have the grades. Didn't have an opportunity. Um, you know, just it. It wasn't. You know, we were kind of in that generation that was kind of in between this, you know, great social media recruiting revolution. Like yeah. I, I still, even, even though, you know, I graduated 2011, I still had to make my own tapes and send them out. So it was just, you know, a lot of guys, you know, obviously you just, and no, no disrespect to anyone out there who wants to go division two or three or NAIA, but you know, it was, it was a lot more of those opportunities coming in for us. So if a guy had an opportunity to go to a place like Wayne state, uh, Nebraska or university of Kearney, or University of Nebraska, Omaha, or, you know, something like that, where NAI school, they, you know, they would take it because it, it just didn't seem like any other, any other route was possible. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's wild. Now, this is, a, this is probably a bit of a personal question, but did you fall in that boat too with, uh, with, with eligibility? No, man. And that's, um, you know, that's another story because I, I almost did, you know, and, you know, but, to, you know, I, I was a qualifier, just barely. I did very good on the ACT, which kind of helped me out with that sliding scale. Um, I, I, I 
truly didn't apply myself, you know, the right way in high school. Like I, I graduated with a very low GPA. Um, college, you know, I ended up graduating with like a 3.8, but in high school I graduated like a 2.2 or something, but I did very well in the ACT. And that just shows, you know, just like how, you know, just putting forth that effort can, can, can help you. But yeah, I was a qualifier and I actually went to junior college as a qualifier, which helped me, you know, then get an offer very fast and, you know, get out of there. Okay. So you choose to go the JUCO route um, yes. and I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but what, why, why the JUCO route? Was there anything else that was on the table for you uh, at all? Yeah. So um, university of Nebraska kind of entertained the, the opportunity of a preferred walk on, but nothing ever really came about. So I, I went on the trips, I went on the meetings, you know, I went to the camps. They told me it, it, it may have happened, but it never happened. Uh, so didn't get that. Um, South Dakota, um, there was going to be an offer there, but I kind of drug my feet, foot, feet, and they pulled it. Same with North Dakota State, South Dakota State. Uh, University of Nebraska, Omaha uh, was going to offer me a scholarship, and they did offer me a scholarship. And right after signing day, um, they just, you know, the program was, you know, they pulled the plug on the football oh, program at University of Nebraska, Omaha. So, so that wasn't able to happen. And the last offer that I had, the only actual offer that I had was uh, Wayne State. Uh, of Nebraska, not the one in uh, Detroit. So yeah, Wayne State of Nebraska offered me. And um, I just, you know, I really know, you know, it was a good, great program. I just, you know, went on my visit, wasn't feeling it. Uh, didn't really align with my goals that I wanted to achieve. So, uh, you know, sent my tape to uh, Coach Jeff Sims at Fort Scott, me and another one of my teammates. And, you know, we went down there, drove about two, three hours away, went on a visit and, you know, made it happen. <laughs> yeah, that's that's insane. You, you... You have something locked in, and then all of a sudden it's pretty much just robbed of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, because, I mean, they, you can't you can't stop a, a place from removing a program for crying yeah. out loud. Like you talk about believing yourself, that's exactly what you believed was going to get you where you needed to go. Is making the decision you did, which was Fort Scott Community College, oh, which is even crazier now because you you were there just in time. Now I, I believe they made the decision, kind of those COVID years, to drop the football program. Uh, so I don't know if, I don't know if the football program is still there. I, I'm just, I go, I do a lot of research before the podcast and I'm like, where's their football team? I can't, there's a lot of stuff I can't find, but perhaps I'm wrong. Have you heard any different on that one? I'm, a, a lot of people mix Fort Scott with Fort Hayes and, you know, okay. a couple other forts. So maybe that's the case, but I have not heard that. You could be right to be yeah. fair. I haven't heard much about Fort Scott in general since I left there, you know, so <laughs> anything could well, happen, you know, I'm far removed from that. But <laughs> they, they claim you, though. I'll tell you, they claim you on there. You're, you're listed among one of the professional athletes that have, have gone on to that. The well, next I, level I, I, there, so. hey, I, I appreciate you, Fort Scott, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Fort Scott, this, this is a unique place. I mean, like I said, they, although football may not be there now, they, they had a pretty unique track record uh, for football players coming through. There are notable people coming through there. I mean, Levante Lamar J David was one. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and then obviously yourself. Uh, there, there's a pretty famous actor that's gone through there. I don't even—I I didn't know this until I looked at it. But uh, Jason uh, Sudeikis is, is the uh, lead, the title role in, in Ted Lasso. But I'm bringing up some random facts over here. But and, and the reason I'm doing it is because I know nothing about it. But tell yeah. us a little <laughs> bit about Fort Scott. Like, what was it that you're like? I'm going to Fort Scott, and what was that reason? So actually, man, you just—you just named uh, one of the reasons. So when I was coming up in high school, I really, you know, that was one of the places. That was really the only thing I knew being from Nebraska. You know, you only have one team. So I grew up, always wanted to go to the University of Nebraska. 
And when I found out Nebraska wasn't going to offer me a scholarship and they kind of recommended the junior college route, which was kind of like a placement, um, I saw an opportunity to get to the University of Nebraska from Fort Scott because Levante David had went there and he went to Nebraska, uh, Brandon Kenny, uh, Jamarcus Hadrick, and uh, I believe it was Stanley Jean Baptiste. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy yeah. that I could just remember all four of those yeah, names remember. like that. That's, but... that's, I was reading through those ones too, so that's crazy you brought it up. <laughs> But those four guys, I actually met them on one of the uh, visits I went to Nebraska, and they just somehow ended up talking to them all. I had a, you know, a good family friend, Niles Paul, who's playing in Nebraska, so I would go up there with him just to work out and hang out. And I met all these guys, and you know, when it was time, I was like, you know, this, it was just, you know, I saw the proof, the proof was in the pudding, and I'm like, if I go to a place like that, I got a chance to either go Division One or you know, go to Nebraska, which was the ultimate goal. And at the time, you know, there, there, I don't believe there are any junior colleges in Nebraska still, but Iowa Western really wasn't a thing yet. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the Omaha junior colleges right across the river. But, you know, it was, it was maybe a program was around for two years. So nobody in Omaha really would go to a junior college. And if they did, you kind of never heard of them again. So, you know, those guys coming to Nebraska from Fort Scott just put that in my mind that I could do it, showed me the path and, you know, that it was possible. That's cool, man. That's uh, you got some mentors there for sure. I love that. That's really cool. Now, I, I've uh, I've never been. Like I said, I've never been, but I'm assuming uh, this right there where Fort Scott is is a fairly small town. <laughs> man, if you want to call it a small town, man, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> no offense to the people of Fort Scott, man. Great people yeah. there. Um, you know, I'm sure they love this town, the city, just the way it is, and they wouldn't change yeah. a thing. But if you know you're coming from somewhere else and you never seen anything like that, then it's nothing like you've ever seen. I believe the population was under three thousand people. There was one Walmart, a couple gas stations, the movie theater was an hour away. Like oh, wow. anything you could imagine. And the craziest thing about the town is there was a not only is it, you know, it's in the middle of Kansas, so you know, back in the day, like you know, the rodeos and all that, the cowboys come through there. Yeah. But there's an actual rodeo team on the campus. I so, didn't read that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So outside my dorm, right outside the window was a, um, I don't know if you call it a bull ring or a bull pen or whatever, but literally you just see the cows and the bulls. As soon as you look out, as soon as you look out the window and you can smell them, you see them, you hear them, whatever. So it's just, you know, that's just one of the crazy, crazy fun facts about Fort Scott, man. It's just, it's, it's you, a place you, like no, nowhere else. <laughs> you heard it. I, I, I grew up around farms, man. I know all you heard all night was yeah. all night. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, it, it was different. And, you know, people think that, you know, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, that it's like Omaha is, you know, it's, it's nothing like that at all. You know, yeah. Omaha is a, a probably a metro area of close to a million people. And, you know, it's, oh, wow. it, it's not it, it's not what people think. So yeah, I think Omaha, yeah. people think Omaha is what Fort Scott actually is, which, like I said, no offense to the people there, but it's definitely a culture shock, a different place. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. And I've had uh, a lot of friends, uh, a lot of people that I know, and actually quite a few people on the podcast that have gone that, that JC route, man, and, and ended up getting to where they wanted to overall. Eventually, you make a transfer over to FAU. Uh, and what what um, the goal to D1 for sure, but we're walk us through that a little bit. Like what led up to that? And, and obviously, your, your dream was – University of Nebraska, but all of a sudden you make a, a transition of FAU. Walk, walk us through that a little bit. So, um, man, it was, it was, it, I guess you could say it was fate because the, the way it just happened, it was uh, a lot of things came together behind the scenes. And 
that had happened from people I've met and the reputation that I had, it all just came together and, and you know, got me to end up at FAU. So um, Carl Pelini was a defensive coordinator at University of Nebraska, Bo Pelini's older brother. Um, he was, you know, kind of one of the guys who were recruiting, to me to, recruiting me to the University of Nebraska. And when, you know, it didn't work out, you know, I, I didn't talk to him. I never thought anything of it. But, you know, obviously he remembered me and, and uh, you know, we knew who each other were. Jeff Sims was the head coach at Fort Scott Community College. Uh, Jeff Sims and uh, Carl Pliny worked together at a school prior to all this right. somewhere in Minnesota, I believe. So Carl Pliny gets the head job at um, FAU. And the first thing he does is bring Jeff Sims with him. So both these guys know who I am. And on top of that, they're coming back to Fort Scott to recruit a bunch of other guys. They maybe offer like eight or nine guys, you know, just FAU won a one and 11 the year before they wanted to get some Juco guys and, you know, have a splash on the program. So they come to watch another guy at practice and, you know, I'm having a good day on them, you know, you know, you know, doing, doing my, doing yeah. my thing. So um, they came to offer him and they saw me and it was like, Oh yeah, man, he's a qualifier. And boom, gave me an offer, came down on a visit, did not plan on committing. Uh, I was going to wait, you know, try to, you know, get a big 12 offer, um, Nebraska. And then I, you know, got some, I kind of wanted to go to Texas A&M at the time, I think maybe watching Von Miller or something. So I was kind of yeah. holding out for that. And, um, yeah, man, I went down on a visit and, you know, coming from, from Nebraska and Fort Scott and then going down to South Florida and seeing everything down here, man, it was just like, okay, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I think that's I can a, see myself here. It's a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful place to be. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. and the camp, the campus is awesome too. I feel like, is it? Yeah, man, it's, 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 it's a, one of the best campuses I've ever, other than like Pepperdine or, you yeah. know, something like that, man. It's, it's one of the, you know, best campuses I've ever seen. That's, that's, yeah, that's phenomenal. What were, what were some of the decisions? Like, again, when, when you're looking at the recruiting process, you're, you're looking at, the you know what what programs that you might want to get into you're looking at hey what type of facilities do these guys have obviously you're speaking more towards like just geographically it was just, i mean it's hard to beat somewhere like yeah. you where it's at in florida but were there were there other aspects to it i mean the coaches the relationships obviously you kind of talked a little bit about that but is there anything else that was like yeah this is this is why i want to come here well you know the the, the geography and all that was just the icing on the cake yeah. But what what really sold me was the fact that I knew how I had a chance to come in and play right away. I wanted to play, and I wanted to have an impact on the program. And like I said, went one and eleven the year before, um, new coaching staff, and I knew, you know, I knew if it was a new coaching staff, I got a chance to come in, and you know, I, I it's it's in the air, you know, it's it's up for everybody. So I knew with that being said, I had an opportunity, and it 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 did, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. I ended up being a four year starter. But um, Sims, Coach Jeff Sims, the one who was at Fort Scott, you know, he was always like every coach says this about themselves that they're a straight shooter and they give it to you, no, transparency. He's a definition of that. He'll tell you exactly how it is, doesn't hold back. And, you know, that's why the guys respect him and, you know, and want to play for him. So he straight up told me, and I trusted this dude because what he said at Fort Scott happened. So, like, his track yeah. record was there. So I was like, you know what, man, I, I trusted this dude before it worked out. You know, let me let me trust him again. And, you know, every, everything he said, honestly, he, he was true to his word. I had to come in and work for it, but it was wide open um, and, and I made it happen. So, you know, I came in, I had that. Uh, so, so to answer your question, it was just based on trust of the coaching staff and an opportunity to, to play right away and have an impact. Now, I was doing some math, though, when you talked about it. So because you did, I'm assuming you did two seasons, two years at Fort Scott. I was a qualifier. So I actually. Um, That's true. 
Yeah, yeah, I was a qualifier, so they um they offered me right after my first semester. So I got there in May. I got this offer maybe January, February. I couldn't transfer at that time because something with credits or something. I can't remember the the rule. So I had to wait until the 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 spring, and I ended up transferring out in May. Um, but I, you know, I still worked out with the team and everything and did the spring workouts, but I was, I was committed in February or March, I believe. Oh, wow. So you still went through spring ball and everything with Fort Scott. Now, just like the, um, the strength and conditioning part of it. I never put pads on anything. Yeah. But yeah, I was at Fort Scott one year and I never played that. I redshirted. So everything came from, uh, came from, (laughs) came from, you know, practice. Wow. That's unbelievable. So you didn't even have game film. Nope. No game film. It was just, it came out to watch somebody. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, man. It was, it no, was crazy. wild. Okay, I yeah. didn't put that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm slow yeah. here. I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, you didn't even play a game. If you redshirted, you're wow, that's unbelievable. That's a testament, that, man. Jeez. Yeah, and and that was the benefits of you know, obviously, it's different with the transfer portal and everything now, but that was the benefit of going to a junior college as a qualifier back then. If you know, if you if you were willing to bet on yourself and you believe that, you know, I just don't have any offers because of circumstance because I was in a place like Omaha or whatever. So it's like, okay, if you're as good as you think you are in your qualifier, go to a junior college and, you know, see what you got. So, yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's, that's that's how it worked out, man. So, like I said, wow. it was it was fate, man. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. That's just, I, when I was doing the math, I was like, hold up. Normally speaking, this is for the listeners here. Normally speaking, if you're going to go the JUCO route, uh, I would say – I would be willing to bet uh, the the statistics on that would probably be somewhere around 70% of the guys go to JUCO route are likely non-qualifiers. And from there, it's like usually they go a two-year bout to get their associates and then transferring into a a D1 program, you you become a qualifier basically at that point where you already have your associates. So, but, so it's, it's unreal to me where you mean, you don't even have any game film. You're, you're basically, uh, not, you don't even play, but you're working out and you're, you're building, you're developing and all that stuff. And, and here you got a shot and you go four years at FAU and what a shot, man. That's, that's amazing. The, now speaking more towards FAU though, what were some of the highlights there? Cause uh, I mean, you get four years to start and uh, you, you gotta be a dog to be able to start yeah. in all four years. That's amazing. So tell us, talk us through some of the highlights there. And, uh, you know, just going out there and just when I look back on it, I think the the biggest highlight was just how much I improved um, from year to year for Scott. Like my first year of, of playing, I didn't start the first two games. I ended up starting maybe game three or four and going for it. And my first two games I started was Georgia and Alabama. So it's just like, you know, <laughs> we went from playing Wagner to, to Middle Tennessee. And then, you know, uh, I, they put me in halfway through Middle Tennessee and then I did all right. And another guy, he was, you know, he was kind of mentally checked out. And they was yeah. like, man, you know, I, I want guys who want to be out there and going to play hard. And that was me. So, so, yeah. so I went out there and the next game was against Georgia. And then forget following game was Alabama. But, you know, just, just being able to see how I improved, just coming in that first game. And then, you know, my freshman year was, you know, it was, it was decent. But my, my sophomore year, I ended up, I believe I had over like 60 tackles. I had over like 14 TFLs and like six and a half sacks. And it was just like, I was honestly didn't even play D tackle. Like I was playing D end and linebacker and it was just getting in a new position, excelling at it. And, you know, just, you know, seeing how far I could take it. Like that was, that was a very, you know, rewarding process. So 
yeah, man, it was just, I would say just the journey. Man. It's, it's yeah. always a journey. I'm, I'm a big guy, man. I believe the, the journey overrides any one single moment, man. Um, so just, just, just being able to just, you know, do that and just watch myself improve and progress. And, you know, it was, that's, that's what I remember the most. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you, you go through that and man, you, you learn so much throughout that journey. I have, uh, I, I'm laughing a little bit too, cause I remember uh, for me particularly, it was, it was Utah state, which again, Utah state, similar in some ways, uh, mid-major and, uh, all of a sudden one of the first games I played, I'm playing against the Oregon ducks. Right. And <laughs> I, I remember initially I'd be, I remember being like, dang, like this, I'm, this is a real game. Like this is, yeah. this is UNLV or, you know, Idaho state, no disrespect. I mean, not great programs, but I'm like, I'm playing against these dudes, the ducks. And so here you're talking about some of your first games being Georgia and Alabama. I mean, yeah. what, what was that? What, and be real too. What was that like kind of going into it? Those man, it's, honestly, man, it's just, it's the hype over everything, you know. A hundred percent. At the end of the day, man, every, a football player is a football player. I mean, they, you know, as a collective, they're bigger. And, you know, obviously they're top five teams. So yeah. we can admit that they're a better team. But it's the hype, that, you know, the hype is what, what gets you. You know, you're watching ESPN and these guys just talking about them like they're demigods or whatever, man. So you're watching it and you're like, oh, man, like, you know, they're about to, you know, do this. They just put 50, 60 points on everybody else. So that gets to you in the nerve. So, you know, you just, you know, block all that out. But, yeah, that, that that was – yeah, we got to block it out. But that's that's the thing that's just the most nerve-wracking is just all the, the, the gas, the ESPN and – you know, Kirk Herbstreit and everybody just talks about these guys like they just unbeatable. And it's like, if you watch it, you'll believe it. But when you cut on that regular film and you cut on Exos or you cut on whatever they use using now, um, Thundercloud, I don't know. But when you cut it on and you can, you, you know, you can kind of pick them apart and you watch it. And you're like, man, you know, they're good. Just like but everybody else. Just yeah, like they're just everybody. like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember that. And I, I remember specifically being like my my first play in that game where I was actually playing because we didn't, I don't think we went into like uh, – few series in who swapped all lines but i just remember being like after that first play i was like oh man i'm good i got this yeah like, this, <laughs> that, yeah that's it just like everybody else <laughs> yep yeah that, that the, the the lead up the lead up yeah. is you know the most nerve-wracking part and then once you're on the field it's all that goes out the window it's you know i i i've been asked this question before and i was like it's, it's, it's like a you know if you ever been in a fight or anything it's like you know not to condone fighting but you know if you ever been in a fight or you box or whatever only when necessary yeah yeah but, but you know when you, you you're going and you're waiting to see what happens and then you finally get hit and you're like oh you know that's it, <laughs> it, it, it it's, you know what i mean like okay I like you know yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah it's just like oh that's it like this is you know just like anything else so yeah it's just all those nerves go out the window after the first play after kickoff and it just becomes a regular game and and now you're you're, you're going on to and i don't want to skip on a, a skip out on anything cool any stories you got for fau uh, i was going to kind of transition into the to the league here a bit but uh, is there anything else you want to talk through on fau that might be helpful to some recruits Man, I would say the, the thing that I would like to express was while at FAU, I did, I, I tore my right ACL two times. So, you know, that was kind of like a, just, uh, you know, a moment of adversity and just something that I had to get through that, you know, sophomore year. And then again, in my junior year, something that I had to fight through to, you know, not only come back from a health standpoint, but to mentally as well. And also, to, you know, to just show the NFL scouts that, you know, I'm, I'm back. I'm 100 percent and, you know, all that good stuff. So 
you know, definitely stories, not all sunshine and rainbows and roses and all that. Sure. Definitely some adversity and adversity in there. Um, a couple of different coaching changes. Um, you know, obviously there was no transfer portal at the time. So, you know, I didn't have that option, but yeah, just, just had to stick it out and continue to battle through and, you know, here we are. So twice season after season, you tore an ACL. Yeah. Final game of my sophomore season. Same one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Final final game of sophomore season. Yeah. And then fifth game of my junior season. So maybe, you know, my math's not the best. I'm still nine months apart, something like that. So, yeah. That's wild. Okay, yeah. uh, that's that's uh, I don't I don't think that's a very normal thing because normally after you you repair it at least from what I hear from medical professionals that I know, you repair an ACL it ends up being stronger than it was before, so that's that sucks, man. Yeah, Sheesh. yeah. I mean, it happens. Like I know a lot of yeah. guys will unfortunately tear the other one or they tear the same one, or yeah. you know you'll see a guy tear ACL and then tearing Achilles right after because you know you, you just you you think you're ready, you're ready, but your body's not fully ready. So your body will find a way to compensate in some way and put that pressure somewhere else. So, yep. you know, it was just you know, you know, things happen, yeah. man. And like they say, it's not not it's how you respond. So, and, and how and, and let me let me ask you that how how did you stay positive through those to those injuries uh, in in your response to it? Man, I um, actually, man, I, that's when I got introduced to like just like meditation and just took like positive thinking to a whole nother route, just, you know, trying to just, you know, find different ways to um, like, for lack of a better word, word, just like to heal, you know, you got to take care of your body. You got to do all the rehab. You got to, you know, you find a lot about your your body when you're injured like that, you know, you find out that you have deficiencies. Maybe you have a hamstring that's lacking or a quad or a calf or a glute. And it, you, you know, that's when you see guys have injuries when they have these you know, these physical deficiencies. But, you know, you also find out a lot about yourself mentally because it's, you spend so much time just in your thoughts. So, you know, just just taking mental reps, working on my mind and my body and just knowing that, you know, it, it's cliche and whatever. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm a firm, firm believer in that, whether, you know, you see it or you don't. But that definitely, man, just just, you know, that's just a, find a way to push through. I feel like I feel like that's actually a true testament going into your uh, your NFL career, your pro career, I should say. Um, which we we'll transition a little bit here because it's because those are amazing. So I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because out of all my research, I didn't find anything about that. So thank you for sharing it. It's extremely yeah, relatable because yeah, sure. there's tons of kids going through stuff like that. Yeah. Um, now. And the, and the reason why I say kind of that attitude is a testament to uh, you going into the league is you've made some moves, man. I mean, uh, you had the opportunity to get in, uh, I think, at first with the Seahawks. But what what was that like, just getting out of uh, FAU and transitioning into uh, the, the Seahawks? Did you have some uh, – I'm assuming you went through the pro day part of it and all that stuff? Yeah, so um... – just going back to pro day and I didn't get invited to the combine. And I, you know, I think that did have something to do with the, uh, the injuries that I had. Cause I had great film out there, you know, um, whatever. And I mean, like, like, stat, you know, I mean stats were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Stats were good for, you know, and I only, I had my senior year, my stats were good too. And I, I didn't even play that much. Of my senior. I think I started maybe three games my senior year. I played a lot, but they were kind of like trying to ease me back coming off two ACL. So I was kind of rotating. And then once I was like officially good, I started the last three games. And I, you know, still had one of my best seasons. I still finished like six and a half sacks and very similar to my sophomore, like six and a half, maybe like 15 TFLs, maybe 40 tackles. And that was, I think I only had like 300 snaps. 
but I didn't get invited to the senior bowl, no shrine bowl, no NFL PA bowl, uh, uh, combine wasn't invited to the combine, nothing. Um, a lot of these opportunities that are around now weren't around then. So, you know, it was, it was just pretty much a regional combine. I don't think the NFL does those anymore. Went to a regional combine in New Orleans. And then, um, I did very well in my pro day, like exceptionally well. And I knew that I had to, I, I knew I had, to, I, I knew I had to do that because there was no other opportunity. So whatever they thought of me coming out, I knew if I didn't tr uh, test exceptionally well, then that was the only opportunity I had to leave an impression on the scouts. But man, I went to the regional combine and, you know, I'm not kidding. I, I ran, I was two, maybe 287, 289, 290, something like that. And I ran a 479 on the laser, <laughs> got to pro day. I think I was clocked anywhere between that same time and like four, eight, six. Um, my bench press, I did 38 reps. My five, ten, five, I believe, was like a four, two, one. I, <laughs> I don't even I'm remember dead. my three cone zero, but I did very, very well. And if I would have got to the combine, you know, it, it, I, I'm pretty sure I would have got drafted because I would have did all these same things, and you yeah. know, it just it helps with the steam you create. But I did it at the pro day, and you know, that's that was my way in the door. Man, I knew I had to. So, and I, I've always been like, a, you know, a good athlete. So, you know, I just I knew I had to test well, and I did. So, you know, that was um, Seattle was in contact with me before that, though. So I think Seattle was always kind of like the leading, like dark horse in there. Like if I was going to get drafted, I think it would have been Seattle and, or Green Bay because those were the two teams that, you know, I was hearing the most from, which, yeah. you know, doesn't mean anything because sometimes it's just like, you know, either they're trying to throw another team off or, you know, they're trying to recruit you if you don't get drafted for a, a preferred free agent. It's, it's but, a business, man. It's yeah, a business. yeah, it's, it's, it's a business. But flew out to Seattle for a, um, uh, what do they call it? Like, it's like a 30 for 30 visit, like a pre-draft visit. So I did one in Seattle and one in Green Bay. So, man, this whole time I'm optimistic, thinking I might get drafted or, you know, hoping at least I get drafted. Um, came about, didn't get drafted. But as soon as the draft was over, like as soon as the last pick went, uh, Seattle and Green Bay both called my phone, both offered me a, a deal as a preferred free agent. Um, and, you know, I thought Seattle was a better opportunity because they pretty much told me that I would go there and play fullback and de-tackle, which, you know, that only – it lasted like, man, I think I think it was just like a, a recruiting pitch to get me in the door because it lasts for like just rookie minicamp. I did I did pretty good at it, but they were like they were like, Yeah, man, you did you did so good at D tackle, man. We're just gonna throw that fullback out the window fullback idea out the window. <laughs> so we're just gonna work at D tackle. And then so it was me and another guy in the same same uh same boat, I uh, got into another Tupo. We came in the same class. Yeah, he ended up playing okay. <laughs> okay. He ended up uh playing fullback. I didn't do it. He, we were both full uh, D tackle. He did fullback and D tackle. And he actually made the team as a fullback for the first game. Yeah. I think they released him after. But yeah, so we were the same class. And you know, that that's why I went to Seattle though, because I was like, man, I you know, I grew up playing running back and fullback. So that's like I wanted to be like um, you know, Mike Allstock was a kid. Like yeah. I grew up watching like Mike Allstock and Jerome Bettis and you know. Uh, big, big running backs like that, like Brandon yeah. Jacobson, like that's that yeah. was me growing up. Like I, I didn't start playing defense until they made me yeah. as like a junior in high school. So I'm like, yeah, of course. Like I don't, you know, I don't mind, you know, doing dirty work at all. So. Yeah, give me the rock, man. I'll, I'll, yeah, that'd exactly. be fun, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, man, it, it worked. It, it, it ultimately didn't work out. I should say yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah, released me. Uh, yeah, they re they released me, but man, I. Uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on it, but, and then I, you know, began my career, you know, elsewhere, but it was, it, it was a, um, it was a, that, it was a, it was a, it was a great camp. I had a great camp, a, a decent preseason. 
But, you know, just the opportunity to go there and, and play fullback and, and D-line just seemed like something that I wouldn't have that opportunity anywhere else. And as a um, as a college player and as a prospect, most thing, the advice you hear from everyone in the NFL is the more you can do, the more you can do. You know, you constantly hear it. So it's like, well, if I got the chance to play fullback and D-tackle, that's a lot. You know, I don't see yeah. too many people playing both sides of the ball. So that that ultimately made my decision. And, and when you're making these decisions, they – it's fast. You know what I mean? Like the draft's over, a couple of teams call you, they're, they're pressing you like, Hey man, well, you got to sign this contract or somebody else will. So let us know, you know, you pretty much, you know, you got like five minutes. So it was like, Oh you wow. Know, it was just, it's, it's quick, man. It's, for yeah. some guys, it, it lasts longer. They, you know, they may, maybe yeah, they don't hear yeah, anything until the, the next day. But you know, for me, it was like, or maybe that was just was a business tactic, but they like, Hey man. So, you know, what's up? Like, we don't got all day. Like, what you yeah. going to do? So I'm like, all right, man, send a contract over. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you kind of talk through guys giving you that advice of uh, just, you know, keep uh, staying in it or just try to stay in it as much as you can. Uh, what What do you think the purpose for that was? Just I mean, obviously the more film you get is better, but. Yeah. Um, so I think that phrase in the NFL, the more you can do, just comes from the fact that there are only 53 roster spots, you know. So gotcha. if they got 53 spots, and only 46 guys can play any Sunday. Maybe it's 47 now. They tweaked the rule with the extra offensive lineman. But if there's only 46, 50, 47 spots, you got to find a way to be ultra valuable as a player to to be yeah. one of those 53, to be one of those 47. So if you're just like a um, a fullback or a, a backup running back or a, you know a, a backup D tackle, it's like okay, well. I can't have you. We'll risk instead of playing with five D tackles, we'll go with four, and we'll bring an extra linebacker on. That way, if something happens with somebody on special teams, this guy can play on special teams. So yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, you're a D tackle, and we don't want to take five. We want to take four, but we'll take five because you can play fullback, and now we can take a fullback off the roster. So just finding that way to be like a Swiss Army knife and to wear many hats, so they have more flexibility with the roster. Even more reason to play multiple positions. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Especially, yeah. you know, to all the kids out there, man, just special teams, you know, special teams, special teams, especially for the non-offensive and defensive linemen. Like there's no such thing as a player in the NFL that doesn't play special teams unless you're a quarterback or, you know, a, a $130 million guy, man, yeah. you can't <laughs> play franchise. special teams. <laughs> franchise you player. Know, your days are numbered. Yeah. Unless you're a franchise player, man, or, a, you know, a true starter, even, you know, mo- some starters, you know, actually play special teams. But if you're not, man, it's you will not be around long. You go Seahawks, but then then you make some moves and some interesting ones here too. Because uh, at one point you end up with the Jets, and and what happened there? So um, just to kind of you know give everybody a, a, a taste of you know exactly how the NFL works, I was released. So back then when I was in when I was with the Seahawks, there were like three waves of cuts. So the, the goal was to get down to 53. So they would go from 90 to 72 to maybe like maybe straight to 53. I don't remember, but I made it all the way to the last cut to 53. Uh, they cut me. Um, Seattle was like, hey, man, stick around. We're going to put you on the practice squad. I ended up staying in Seattle for like three days or something like that after cuts, which seemed like a month. And, uh, you know, it was just it, it, in hindsight, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, but now I understand what was going on. Like they're waiting to see who frees up and who else they can go. And, you know, I was kind of just like, hey, uh, like, a, you know, a, a plan B or C or whatever. But ultimately, you know, they didn't sign me to the practice squad or back on the team. So as soon as I leave Seattle, uh, New York calls, New England calls, Green Bay calls. 
and some other teams. And I went for like the next week or two, just going to each one of those teams for a workout. So I fly out to New York, fly out to Jersey, do a workout with the Jets, come back home, fly out to New England, do a workout with the Patriots, go back home. Then I fly out to Green Bay, do a workout. So all that maybe took place over the span of two, three weeks. Nothing happens. And then week eight, like the middle of October, um, maybe the Jets had, uh, I, don't, I don't remember what exactly was going on with them for the season, but I think they were still in playoff contention or maybe they just got eliminated from playoff contention. It was a down year for them. Phone yeah. rung like 9.30 at night, Eastern time. And it's my agent. He's like, hey, man, um, going out to New York, Jets want to sign you. I was like, well, like you know, I just I didn't know it worked like that. I thought he was going to say, you got to go do another workout. Yeah. So he flies me out. Uh, they find me out. I sign. Uh, maybe this is like week seven or eight. And um, I get there. I stick around. Uh, they sign me to the practice squad. End up getting activated the last two games of the season. So I got my first. Um, I didn't actually get in the game at that point, but I suited up. Um, got elevated to the 53-man roster. Um, and then, you know, the next season, I go into camp and I tear my pec. Like nothing, not off yeah. the bone or anything. Maybe just like a grade two. Yeah. So, um, you know, just shady business on how it goes. And if you don't know how it works as a young player, like, They'll, you know, that uh, some some teams will, you know, just try to hurt and get you to take a, a injury settlement or whatever. So yeah. I, I, I I go on IR and um, once my injury was over, they released me, um, and then I'm out for that whole entire year. So the whole um, 2017 quick, season. Just for the listeners, when you say IR, it's it's uh, injury reserve. Yes, injury reserve. Okay, sorry. Injury reserve. Yeah, yeah. So injury reserve is you, you know, you just you're injured, you don't count against the fifty three spots, you don't count against any yeah. roster spot, but you're still an employee of the team, of the it's organization, but you're, yeah, you're not on the team. So it's maybe, you know, you know, not my field at all, but maybe it's similar to like works comp or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. I don't know how to like, relate it. Yeah, short term yeah, disability insurance probably be the closest yeah, thing yeah. yeah, keep going. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we do that. Um, and this is my second year now. So second season, tore my peg right before the scrimmage. So there's typically a scrimmage and then the preseason starts. The day or maybe three days before the scrimmage, I tear my peg out for that entire season, 2017. I'm out the whole year. Didn't really, you know, know what was going to come next. There was no USFL, XFL, UFL, USFL, none of that. Practice squad spots were only at 10 back then, so it was very, the opportunities were very limited. Um, I get a call. I actually was getting calls the entire year from CFL team. So as soon as I got um, injured from the New York Jets, like when they released me and put me on IR, the CFL teams began to call me. And, you know, I just, you know, it was, it was similar to, in my mind, to, you know, you know, speaking of like Wayne State or something like yeah, that. Like yeah. once again, no offense to the CFL, great league, great players up there, but it's just not something I wanted to do. So I put it off. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'll, you know, it's just not something I want to do. I was, you know, I don't know, maybe like 23, 24 at the time. So um, I'm dodging that. I had one workout with the Detroit Lions, which was the hardest workout I ever did in my life. And you know, huh. we can talk about that if we can I talk about that. Yeah, talk about why, why, why is that? Yeah. Man, they so as a as a defensive lineman, and I'm pretty sure defensive linemen get it worse than anybody in the entire NFL. When you go on these workouts, pro day, pro day too, like pro day is they want to see what you got. They want to try to make you quit. Yeah. So as a defensive lineman at a pro day or um, on site workout or a tryout, they give you everything they got. 
and they don't care if it's you, two people, three people, four people, five people, six people, it's going to be the exact same workout. So the workout I did with the lines was me and one other guy, Joey Ivy. Man, they put us to work out for 20 minutes, back to back to back to back to back, rapid fire. You go, you go. When he gets back, you go. Run to the next drill, same thing. Run to the next drill, same thing. Need some water? Squirt. By the time you think you're drinking some water, all right, let's go. Run over here. It's, just, it's, it's nothing like anything else. Like they just they want to see what you got. They want to see if you're ready to play. They want to they, they test you mentally. They want to see if you're going to cry, complain, whine. They want to see if you're going to quit. They're going to see if you cramp up. They want to see if you're trying to hide an injury. You might have a pulled muscle. But by the time that workout's over, every, everything I just named will reveal itself. They're going to know who you are. They're yeah. going to have, <laughs> at least they're going to have an idea of who you are, how hard you work, how you fight through adversity, all that. So it's just like, man, it's, it's one of the toughest things. And that, that workout I did with the Lions was just, it was insane. And I remember going up to shake the head coach's hand after the workout. And I think it was, um, I think it was uh, Caldwell at the time. I, don't, I think I go to shake his hand. And I he's looking he's at so me. tired, bro. You yeah, don't I'm so tired. <laughs> he's just looking at me like, and I'm like, why is he looking at me like this? And I get in the bathroom and I just got like snot and all that stuff coming all down my face. Like, that's how tired I was. Like, he, he didn't want to shake my hand. He was like, I'm like, damn, what's going on? I get in the bathroom. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was insane, man. It was, it, it, it was tough, man. So, that's wild. You had that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, no, you're so, good. Um, so, but, but then like, what's crazy is you go through all that, and did they? And who was the other guy that was there with you, you said? J- J- Joey Ivey. He's a yeah, D-tackle from the University of Florida, who I I, I knew a little bit from uh, from training uh, down in Florida. So, yeah. Just uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, did, obviously, so I don't see it listed here for you that you ended up with, with the Lions. So, I'm assuming. No. No, yeah. They put you through the ringer at boot camp, yeah. and they like, you out. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, they didn't sign either one of us, and they told us before the workout. They were like, hey, this this kind of, you know, how I went. He was like, hey, man, there's two dogs, one bone. Like, he said something like that. Like, I'm, I'm taking one of you. I don't know who it's going to be. Whoever whoever has the best, best workout is getting signed. And then while we were doing the workout, somebody's MRI came back. I think it was, uh, man, they had a it, – it was, it was a D-tackle up there who – you know, he was getting an MRI on his, his yeah. chest or his tricep, and it, it, it turned out that the results came back. Um, I don't know if he's positive or negative, whatever you say. Yeah, he's so fine. It came basically. Back. Yeah, it, no, it was he was bad. So oh, it was bad. Okay, okay, him, okay. By him being out, it caused like a butterfly effect of them having to sign another D tackle and cut a tight. It was just it caused the whole roster to just shuffle. And yeah. that's at least that's how it was explained to us in the meeting when they put us both back on the flight <laughs> to, to go oh, back down to Florida. Wow. All of yeah. that, man. Cause you golly, man, you've been through the ringer, brother. Okay. So you're yeah. going, so, so, but, and, and I'm, I'm cracking up a little bit here because I, I, this, I'm not the first time I've heard someone be like, man, CFL, what? Like, yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, Chris, Chris Randall on the podcast before he said the same thing, but, but you, but you end up there. And so, so what, what was that? What was that like? So I ended up there, um, waited the whole, waited the whole season. And, you know, I would, um, I would recommend that to anybody else who may be listening, who who's in the same boat of, you know, um, maybe a free agent in the NFL and the XF UFL or the CFL is calling. Like I gave it an entire season. I was like, I'm not going to sign to a CFL team when there's still five, six weeks left in the NFL season. It just doesn't make sense professionally. Uh, because, you know, you're going there to come back here. So, you know, why why do that? And logistically, the CFL doesn't even start until May. 
And financially, in the NFL, if you get like two games, you'll make more than you make the entire season in the CFL. You know what I mean? So it just it didn't make sense for me. Like I kind of thought it out. I'm like, I'll wait. So I waited until the last second to see if it was calling. I was like, hey man, um, I don't want to give you my word. I don't want to commit until um this date. And whatever date that was, they understood. It was like, hey, I get it, man. You coming up here with the intentions and the ambitions to get back to the NFL. He's like, I don't want you to be one foot in, one foot out anyway. So I'll give you that time. And they gave me a, a hard deadline. It was like the first day of uh mini camp in the CFL or whatever. And I gave him my word. I was like, look, when I sign, I come up there, I'm all in, but I just need this time to make that decision. They gave it to me. Uh phone didn't ring for the rest of that year. And I ended up going to the CFL. Um and you know it was it was it was a good experience, man. Um, I went up there. I had a great camp. Um, didn't I made the team? Actually, I made the team. Uh, then I kind of bounced around because there's a there's a funny rule in the CFL where the the roster has to be like 51% Canadian or 52% Canadian yeah, yeah, and 48% American. And then there's like another rule with global players, like so a guy from like maybe Germany or uh, Mexico or Nigeria might not count against that, but the Americans do. So it's like there are over 70, 80 American guys, however many they bring into camp, fighting for 20 spots. And that might depend on what position you play. Like, okay, they got a good Canadian defensive tackle, so we're not taking any American defensive tackles or gotcha. however it may go. It's just it's real political. So anyway, I go up there, I make the team, uh, play real good, um, you know, the adjust to the game. It's much different. You know, defensive linemen are yard off the ball. is pretty much – two downs, they punt on third yeah. down, uh, a lot more pass, and I had to lose weight. Like, I went up there maybe when I was with the Jets, they wanted me heavy. I was like 315 or the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I get to the CFL, like, there's no point of being this big, you know. It's, yeah, you know, it's all it's, about it's speed moving. up here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, everything's moving, yeah. you know. It's, it's a much different game. It feels bigger. Um, the, the offensive linemen are even smaller, but, you know, there's more space, you know what I mean? So, it, 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 it just you just have to adjust. And I, I went up there, I adjusted, I played good, and you know, and I, this is an, another like just crazy part of the story that I don't know if you know you're able to see. Yeah, go, go. I'm, yeah. A, yeah, I'm in Canada, right? I'm with the Winnipeg. I make the team. I play there the entire um, maybe 2018 season. Going into camp, I have another good camp 2019, but they released me after camp. Um, I don't know, whatever, whatever their choice was. Yeah. They had to fill a Canadian spot, whatever. Don't know. I go to sit out for a month. I fire my agent and hire a new agent. He gets me picked up right away at Montreal. I go to Montreal. I'm there for four or five weeks. Montreal cuts me. And they're like, yeah, we got to sign a Canadian. We're going to send you home. You'll be back in like, you know, we'll bring you back in like two weeks or whatever. I'm like, cool. Go back to Florida. As soon as I get to Florida, the Cleveland Browns call me. Didn't expect it at all. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, it's just, just how yeah. it worked out. I go to Florida. I'm waiting to go back to Montreal. Cleveland calls me. They just finished their first preseason game because – the NFL, the CFL starts in May. The NFL preseason starts in August. So the CFL is on week eight right now. It's the NFL is in preseason week one. They cut me. Cleveland had like two D tackles go down in practice. They emergency like you know we got to sign somebody. Call me. Boom. Go to Cleveland. Stay there the whole year. Like it was. <laughs> it was. It was just you know it just worked out. You couldn't write it better. <laughs> hey, everything works. Out. Everything yeah. happens for a reason. There's, there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Okay. So, so you go to the Browns, and man, I'm just going to say this right now because we still got a couple other spots, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to push time on you too much, brother, but I'm like, I, no, I, got I all have, good, this is, a, <laughs> yeah, this is wild to me. Like, the this is, there's like, we call this podcast the Recruit Grind, 
But this is like the the definition, like just you as a person. This is like the definition of grinding, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is unreal. Like, so many times I'm looking at this, saying, "You could, you could, you could have hung it up at any point." Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so many times, even to the, I mean, money aside from it, but money aside, like all of, I mean, any point you could have been like, "That's it, I'm done." Yeah, like <laughs> what, what on earth? Because like I said, you still got, man, brother, you got. What, another three plus years in the league from the Cleveland Browns, and you're jumping from Miami to Buffalo, to the Bills to I mean, to Texas. I'm like, what keeps you going? Like, what what is it in you that's like I'm I'm in this? Like, what keeps you motivated to go? Man, one like I said, man, just believing, and you know that's what you want to do. Like, you know, you you got your goals, you write them down, you stick to them, and nothing's gonna nothing nothing's gonna. It's not over until I say it's over, you know, like I'm going to do this until I don't want to do it anymore. And on top of that, it's just reaching off past experiences, man. It's like if if I didn't go to the junior college and to Fort Scott and have that experience of going a route, an unconventional route to get somewhere that I wanted to be, I don't know if I would have saw that possibility in the CFL. But it was like, you know, I've, I've done this. I know how hard work can pay off. I know that adversity happens and I know things aren't always how you plan them to be but it's not about how I planned it it's about if it happens you know so yeah. you you know you get thrown curveballs all the time but you know you, you still got to find a way to hit them knock them out the park man so it's just it's just grinding believing and knowing you know that your hard work's gonna pay off one day it might not plan off when or how or exactly how you like it but just know if you're putting that work in it will pay off one oh, way man, or another, that's, you know, that's what I told myself. So. <laughs> my 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 respect for you is out the roof, man. I just uh, we're talking here. You talk through all this is unbelievable. The uh, and and I I don't want to stop. Like I said, I just and I apologize for the segue, but I had to say it because I'm just listening. To you talk through the stories is phenomenal, like phenomenal. The uh, but Browns, I mean, they, you were with them for one full season. Yes, <laughs> man, it gets crazier, man. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just when I think about it, I'm like, because I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm like, I may not have ever played in Cleveland if this one thing didn't happen. Yeah. So I get to Cleveland, and, you know, I'm there, and, you know, I have a good camp, come in hot. I just did another camp, so I'm in impeccable shape. You know, like I did a CFL camp, and I was yeah. just played a game in the CFL, so it's like I'm in mid-season form right now. So I get to Cleveland. They got a good offensive line, like Joe Batonio's there all pro just went all pro again this year and you know i'm I'm doing good i'm doing good against i had no expectations they didn't know who i was like whatever just came in doing good but get there and they you know they put me on a practice squad and at this point i have never played an nfl game like i've been on active rosters but it's That's true it's, it's levels to it you know what i mean like it's just you know, the opportunities, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the opportunities don't come along in nfl like it's tough. It's very tough to get on the field in the NFL. So no one, nobody actually wants to give you that opportunity. Like you have to go earn it. Nobody's going to go out there and put their reputation on the line for somebody who hasn't played. It's like, you know, what basis do I have to tell these guys that put this guy out there on Sunday in this billion dollar enterprise and yeah. he's not going to mess up and we're not going to lose this game that, you know, going to might cause us to get out of playoff contention. So, you know, in Cleveland, you know, this is the star-studded team, Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett, Odell Beckham, like that team that, you know, was kind of, you know, just the new Cleveland, you know, I think they were calling it. Yeah. So I'm there, 
and I'm, I'm doing good in practice. I'm not playing, but like I said, opportunities are hard to come by. And I kid you not, I don't think I would have ever played in Cleveland. Not nothing I was doing wrong. It's just how the business goes. Like I'm on practice squad. Somebody got hurt. They flew in another guy. Um, he played, he got hurt. They flew in another guy. He plays and whatever. So throughout all this, the thing happens where a fight happens and somebody gets hit in the head with a helmet and they suspend three or four guys and it's a Thursday game and nobody don't nobody knows who's gonna play. And then my coach comes up to me and is like, Hey, I've been trying to get you to play for two, three, two, three weeks and it's you know, upstairs has been, you know, giving me some fight back. But you know, I've been putting my reputation on the line. And you know, I think you go get your opportunity this week because everybody's suspended. <laughs> so, oh wow. So so I finally get to play. First game was against the Miami Dolphins. I don't care what they said. I had like five or six tackles. I think they gave me three or four. But I played good. I had some tackles. Split the reps. Was this close to being a starter that game. But they wanted, you know, they gave the other guy to be a opportunity to be a starter because, you know, he had been on the team. But coach sat us down. I was like, hey, he's starting. You're not. But you guys are gonna split the reps half and half. He pretty much said, we'll see, we'll see who's here next. We'll see who's here next week. Like I was like, damn. So we split the reps. I play good. You know, they end up releasing somebody who wasn't me, and I play maybe the next four or five games of that season, and I finish out the whole season with the Browns. And you know, it was just all based on, you know, somebody getting hit in the head with a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Never know when your name's gonna be called, man. You never yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know, man. You never know. And it was I didn't even realize how wild that was until maybe like a couple weeks ago. I'm like, man, I actually I didn't play until that happened. Like that never happened. Like who's to say when I would have, you know, got the opportunity yeah. to finally play in a regular season game. That is unreal. But but now now you have film though. Now you have game yeah, yeah. film. And exactly. like that's... And that changes everything. That changes everything. It's like a credit report. You know, it's like nobody wants to give you a loan to buy a house if you don't have a, any credit because they just they don't know what's going to happen. So. It's weird how that works, right? It's yeah, like, it's exactly. like uh, applying, applying for jobs after college. You got a degree, but you got no experience. So, like, we it's know you can do it, but we've never seen you do it. That's like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's wild. But, so, but the first time you ever played a game was against the Dolphins. Yes. Yeah, okay, but but here you are. There's, there's there's another transition coming up here too. Where I'm like, okay, but then you end up there. How does that work? Man, an, a, a, another great opportunity, man. So I'm in Cleveland. Did good, you know. Very young at the time. Maybe thinking maybe I turned 25 that year in September. So I think I just turned 25 in Cleveland, which is very young for a defensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah. So, um. They fire the coaching staff and the general manager. They fire everybody, clean house. And in the NFL, a, a place like, you know, Cleveland where, you know, they it's all about football, the dog pound. They very impatient, man. So just like any other big time, you know, college city or, you know, state or NFL team, they impatient. So bringing a new GM, new head coach, COVID just happened, lockdown, get a call on my phone, got released. Just we like could do a whole other. episode on yeah. That was wild. Yeah, it was crazy, man. So they called me. I remember I everything. People who don't know, Florida wasn't not like everywhere else. Like we were locked down, but people just whatever. They just didn't care here. I don't put myself in that category, but I couldn't stay in the house all day. So I would just go to the beach, keep my distance yeah. from everybody, you know, wash my hands, do all that good stuff. But I was I was fishing. I was fishing like every day. Like 
I was living off the land at that time. And I, was, I, would, I learned how to catch my own bait, do everything, like just catch, cook, clean, whatever. Long story short, I got like three snapper in my, in my book bag that I had just caught. Got my fishing yeah. pole on the bike. And I'm riding back to my, um, my apartment in Boca at the time. <laughs> you too big for riding a bike on the, on the pier, bro. A bike. But they shut all the parking lots down, so you couldn't park. So you had to yeah. ride the bike there. So oh, I ride my bike. And um, I'm coming back, and I get a call. And I'm like, Cleveland, I'm like, this is either going to be real good or real bad. And at the time, we were doing, like, Zoom meetings and everything. It was, like, OTA time, whatever. Yep. Get the call. Like, hey, you know, this is Andrew Berry, uh, GM with the Browns. We haven't met yet. Blah, blah, blah. Before I even say, hey, oh, yeah, we're just, you know, we're going to be releasing, man. So, you know, nothing you did wrong. You had some good film last year. But, you know, you know, he pretty much said, you know, we're clearing house. We're going to do what we got to do, bring our guys in. So I'm like, okay, cool. What can I do? You know, at this time, I had been cut three or four, five times before. So I was like, whatever, back to work. Like, you know, literally on my bike, hang up, go in the house, put everything up. And I'm just like, dang. (laughs) So, So. I, uh, you know, get myself together and just, you know, whatever, back to the grind. This is at this time I'm working out like in the street doing push-ups, lunges. There were no weight rooms open or anything like that. So That's I would true. just run along, <laughs> run along the beach, uh, lunges, push-ups, sit-ups, pulling sleds, like in the parking lot, just working out, getting ready. And then boom, phone rings, Miami Dolphins. And they just like this, they say, Hey, and at this time it was, it was hard to get anybody on a flight to kind of yeah. get them in there for those trials that I told you guys about. Yeah. So they were like, um, they pretty much just had to get local guys because they, you know, they didn't want to fly a guy in from the West Coast and he got, you know, COVID or whatever, all yeah, these channels the team, he has to go through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, they were just getting local guys and the Dolphins called me and I was like, hey, can you be here? And they literally asked me, they said, can you be here in 30 minutes? I was like, um, this isn't the same day that Cleveland coming. This is a couple of weeks later, a month or yeah, two later. Yeah. They, they called me and they said, hey, can you get here in 30 minutes for a COVID test? I'm like, yeah, I can be there in 30 minutes. <laughs> I, I can be there in 30 minutes. So I maybe get there in like 45 minutes, something like that. I go down uh, Davie, which is, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes from where I was living in Boca at the time. You know, get in there, change clothes, drive straight down, uh, take a COVID test, and they stick me in a hotel for like five days um, just to like, it was like a-, a Yeah, you're isolated. Where, you, know, you, you can't yeah, actually isolated. leave that room. Yeah. Yeah, can't, can't leave the room. So I do that on testing for like uh, four or five days straight. Um, no workout actually they didn't even work me out and then uh after i you know clear protocol they signed me boom straight to training camp next day they were already in training camp they were like three or four days in but i think uh yeah, but you, you a couple guys had retired quarantine thing right before yeah. you can actually yeah yeah okay yeah but that was just you know another thing that was fake it was just you know i was in the area you know i'm like i don't i don't know if they were have you know truly like you know just maybe they wanted someone else or they wanted me but it was just like hey he lives 30 minutes away. Let's bring him down. So it was just, you know, I think the, the lesson of that is just stay ready at all times, man. And oh, I was ready. Nice. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah, now at this time, now I'm with the Dolphins. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, I, I'm just going to let you keep going at this point, man. This is, <laughs> this is an awesome story. <laughs> yeah. So um, go there, training camp with the Dolphins. It was it's, it's hot. You know, I played at FAU, which is uh, – uh, you know, South Florida environment, which is very similar to the Dolphins, but the Dolphins is a, a little more west than FAU. Like, FAU is right on the beach. Yeah. The Dolphins are, like, more towards the swamps. Like, at the time, they were in Davie, just western, uh, more towards, like, the Everglades swamp area. So, it's a little more hot there. So, man, this camp was, was, it was a ringer, man. It's, 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 
You know, it's like the movies. It was tough. Yeah. Man. It was like the, the, the Junction Boys. <laughs> so, so, so we, you know, got there. I have a, a real, real, real good camp. But this time, I think this was the best camp I've ever had. Like, I felt comfortable doing everything. I'm beating guys that they didn't think I could beat, like Pro Bowl guys, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing very, very good. Um, there's no preseason that year, which you know, kind of hurt everyone in a position like mine, like guys who are fighting for roster spots and all that. So there was no preseason. So nobody knew how much I'd improved from my time in Cleveland to my time in Miami, which, you know, just comes with playing games. Like I finally played a game. Like I got more confidence. I, I got more experience. I got more wisdom. I just I got more skill. So it showed off. Camp of Miami was great. Um, and then they released me. Um, and like, then, you know, right, right after camp? The last day of camp. Bro. The last day of camp. But it was crazy because there was no preseason. So this year is different. Like usually, yeah, just... you know, you got four games, and then maybe they'll do the final cuts after the fourth game. There was no game. There was no last game, so nobody knew what was going to happen. It was just one day they put us through. We practiced in 100-degree weather, and then we just walk in the locker room, and they got chairs everywhere, and then they cut down to 53. So it's like we oh, practice, wow. and they come in the locker room, and, and they cut us. All gloves like, off, man. All yeah, gloves yeah. off. Get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it was it, you know, it, it was it was yeah. like, you know, whatever. It's a job. So uh, they cut me, and then literally maybe the next day or whatever, it, it's kind of bleak at that time because it's like there's no preseason, so you don't know what's going to happen. It's like nobody – I have no resume out there, like that credit report we spoke about. There's nothing out there to have a, another team call me. Yeah. So I'm like, dang, like, you know, what, what's, what's going on? And then boom, the Bills call, and it's like the same thing that helped me get with the Dolphins deterred me from getting with the Bills because they were like, we want to bring you in, but – COVID and all that stuff. So we're actually going to have a guy from Syracuse drive over and, you know, he's going to try out. So I don't, you know, I don't know what happened with that, but they ended up calling me after his trial and I went in there, tried out after quarantining again, five day thing, testing all that. So you got to wait five days before you even try out. Yeah. Five days before you try out. And so we did that and then boom, they signed me and uh, ended up being there for the, the greater part of from 2020 to 2023. Yeah. And now you, geez, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, I can't even, that's, your story is incredible, dude. <laughs> so what, so it, it mentions, it mentions the Texans in between the bills and. Yeah. I, it, wow. Yeah. So man, this, <laughs> this, this was, uh, this, it, it was, it was, it was a wild thing, you know, my time with the Bills. I was there, you know, for a while. I'd be there on practice squad. I would play back to practice squad. Play. It was it was like a, a just an ongoing shuffle, like uncertainty. Like I would be up this game. I would be down. And that, that just speaks to the, the politics. Uh, not Sorry, not the politics, just the way that the NFL business is set up. Yeah. Um, so you might play. You might have a good game. But you might have a great game. But it doesn't matter because the reason why you're playing, maybe someone was hurt. Maybe he wasn't playing well. But – Maybe he's already guaranteed 10, 15 million, 100 million, whatever. So as soon as he gets his stuff together um, mentally or physically or whatever, he's healthy, he's going to be back. So because yeah, that, that's who they invested in. That's his. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah. So it's like you play, you, you know, you do well, but it's like, oh man, you did great, but so and so's back off of IR, so we got to put you back on practice squad. So it was, it was kind of that just going over and over. Um, and then the time where I went to the Texans, I played. This was last season, 2022 season. I played a bunch of games. That was the most I ever played in my career. Um, I played 
then I believe it was the trade deadline or what, or actually it was a cornerback. Uh, Tredavious White was coming off IR and they had to make the spot for him back on the team. So that, that's how I was told to me, like, hey, you didn't do anything wrong, but we got to, Tredavious is coming off of IR. We got to put him on the team. And, you know, obviously, you know, Tredavious White, all pro corner, our best, one of our best players, you got to have him out there. So it's like, all right, Tredavious got to come back. We got to cut somebody. It's just going to happen to be you. And, you know, I got it. Like, that was one thing I appreciate about the Bills. Like, they, you know, are really a world, you know, a, a very classy organization. You know, they do things the right way. Like, you know, they don't lie to you and, you know, do all these things. So anytime they made a move like this, like, they, you know, it was done with respect. And yeah. they would just, they would, they would break it down to you and tell you, like, hey, man, it's just this is what it is, man. So that's what happened. They cut me. They were like, we're going to make some room for you when we can. But it might be like a, a three or four days or whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. Bang! I'm 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 go I'm, and I know how the business works. I'm thinking I might get claimed off waivers because I put some good film out there, and I'm working out. And then the, the Houston Texans call me like before I even go to Florida. At this time I'm still in Buffalo because I think I'm gonna go yeah. back to the Bills. So the Texans call me. I was like, hey, um, you know, we want to sign you. You don't have to work out. You know, we like your film. You know, we think you can help us. Blah blah blah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like you know, no brainer. Like I can't. You can't, yeah. you can't sit around and wait for anybody in the NFL, even no matter what, like, you know, you just, you got to go. So the Texans call and then like, you know, unfortunately we play a game this Thursday, they were playing the Eagles. So I was like, I'll go to Florida. And then when you guys are done, I'll come down and uh, I'll, I'll be there Monday or however we communicated. So I'll go to Florida and then I'll go to Houston and you know, now I'm with the Texans. <laughs> this is after being in Buffalo for two and a half seasons. Yeah. So I'll, yeah, 2021, this is 22. I, I go to Houston and, um, you know, some things happen. I'm there for five weeks. I'm doing good. It is what it is. And uh, it was a time where they had released me. And, and a bit, it's, as soon as they released me, you know, they were, you know, I was probably going to end right back up in Houston. There's just some more things to get shuffled around. Yeah. Bill's call and was like, hey, um, we know we need you for this week against the Dolphins. Did they know that you were released? I'm assuming they knew because it was, it was they knew. Yeah, as soon as it happened, yeah. they knew. And you know, you got an agent who, you yeah. know, as soon as that happens, he sends out an email and all that stuff. So yeah. and a lot of it, a lot of it's behind the scenes stuff that you never even know about. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so now I'm back in Buffalo. You know, it's just <laughs> the next day, fly back to Buffalo from the sweltering heat of Houston, Texas, to playing in a night snow game against the Miami Dolphins. Oh and then, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then that um. Finished that year with the Bills, and then um, then I actually got released by the Bills in the spring of 2023, which was this past mini camp. And then that's where we went to the Giants. After that, um, I had a good, <laughs> yeah, had a good nice. camp, and um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely man, it's a business, and you know you got to uh, you got to, it's a lot out of your control. It's a lot, yeah. a lot out of your control. If I if I if the math is right in my head. You've you've basically been pursuing it for seven years. Yeah, seven seven calendar years, um, eight NFL seasons, but twelve different teams. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, I don't well, know. I mean, back to the Bills. The Bills is, Bills is twice, but tw- twelve yeah. teams. Like you, like I said, man, it's a, it's a testament to your grind and your, and your will into it. I I love it. And but now, but now you're in that. I feel like you're kind of in that no man's land again too. You're free agent. You're, I mean, yeah. at least from the Giants, and now you're looking for something new. Yeah. So this is kind of you know this period of my career is very similar to the the um 
the way 2017 was that uh, yeah. year, you know, that year is very similar. Like, you know, you, you get some calls, you fly out here, you fly out there. Like I had to work out with the 49ers uh, a few weeks ago and it's just, you know, it went very, very well, but it's it, a lot of times, you know, you, you go somewhere and you work out and it's, they don't really have an intention on signing you. They just, you know, they want to have a database of you to know that if they do need you, they can call you. So, you know, I went and worked out with San Fran and nothing came of it uh, instantly. But, you know, I'm hopefully, you know, something something comes about that. Hopefully, you know, in the next couple of weeks in the playoffs or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it's been um, been a season full of uh, full of long runs and weight room yeah. workouts and, you know, all that good stuff, man. So, I've been, uh, I've been working real hard, but it's just, you know, it's just it's part yeah. of the game, man. That's, it's that's part what of it, it is. That's the business. Uh, this is uh, this is such a phenomenal story, man, and it, it leads right into this this book that you're writing. I've stolen way too much time for you, but I do. I really want to talk about this because now that I've heard your story, and now that I have just this unbelievable respect for you, I'm like, who wouldn't want to read this book? And it's extremely unique. I'd rather you talk about it than me because this is something that has has been inspired by you. But well, and speaking of inspiration. What inspired you to write a children's book? Well, one, man, I just, I wanted to inspire the next generation, man. I wanted to give these, give the reader um, an idea that, any, you know, it's, it's a cliche and it's, things are cliche for a reason because they're said a lot because, they're you know, they're, there's merit behind it. But yeah. anything is possible, man. If you work hard and you got a plan and it's something that you really want and you put in the hours and you put in the work, it can happen. So I wanted to kind of put that in a reading level for, you know, younger kids where they can see like it's been done. I can do it. And, you know, parents can read it to them. And, you know, there's parents that have kids that where the parents don't actually know what's going on. They don't, you know, know what to, you know, what to tell the kids. So I'm hoping that that could be that could function in that role. And two, man, it's just, you know, the the literacy levels of American schools are, are, are terrible right now. I think, you know, yeah. the average fourth grader is well under proficient reading level so if i could do anything to you know just you know help kids find that joy of reading at an early age um and in the meantime while they're reading they're reading something that i wish i had something they could take from it man i, I think it, it it would be great man so to answer your question man it was just one to 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 get kids reading which is which is very important and two man just just to let you know that anything is possible you just got to put the work in and you know, uh, a common theme throughout the book is, is it's a book that rhymes, but the common theme throughout the book is that it doesn't. It's not only about what happens on the field on the court, but it's about how you train in the classroom. Like if you put the same effort, if I would have put the same effort that I put in the classroom on the field in high school, I would have had a 4.0 GPA. Yeah. And I don't say that lightly. When I got to FAU, I finally realized that I had to do it, and you know, I was. You know, I was academic All-American, All-Conference, um, academic team every year, man. Like, I graduated with 3.7 GPA, and it wasn't because I didn't do it earlier because I was dumb or I was stupid. It's just I had no interest in it, and I thought that all your problems are solved if you can do well on the football field. So, yeah, man, I just wanted to let the, the, just the reader know that, man, you, not only is it possible, but you have to excel in the classroom, man, especially – with these NCAA requirements and, and, yeah, and all these things. It's insane. We, we've talked about it many times, just the eligibility center and the way it is. And, and uh, it's no joke, right? You can't mess yeah. around with it. You've seen it firsthand of guys that, that had the talent and they had it coming out of high school, but they didn't have the grades and they can't make it in that. And, 
Yeah, so that's that's phenomenal. I, and I appreciate you. There's actually one of the questions, and it's not that I want to spoil the book by any means, but one of them was kind of the messaging behind it. I appreciate you covering that. But I am curious, is there is there like a short snippet of, of potentially you could, you could kind of share from the book in particular and uh, maybe like a, a preview, so to speak? You don't have to, but. No, nah, I can, man. I can. Um, yeah, <laughs> let me uh, let me pull it up right here, man. Yeah, I, so, I, I, uh, it, it, it was fun. I don't have the hard copy of the book. I wish I could show you guys. That it's actually supposed to be here this weekend. Coming soon, man. But this is a phenomenal could, idea, by the way. I This is unreal. This is. I love this idea. The idea of a, of a, of a children's book, a re- relative, especially coming from you, Brandon. I mean, the the just the grind, the willpower, the drive. I mean, who wouldn't want to learn from from that? Like, just man, I, I appreciate it. So, so I, I can I can read uh, please the first please. two pages. All right, so it rhymes. Um, I'm all for it. I actually, flow to it. <laughs> I'm all about that. So just for you know, I, I sit and for the same reason that you talked about, uh, uh, you know, just the, the rise in, in illiteracy with the children, especially in the education system nowadays, I read to my son every single night, every night we read and, and, not, and not just me, my wife too. I, I'm taking all the credit, but my wife probably does yeah. it just as much, if not more than I do. But the reality of it being is now I'm seeing it. I'm finally seeing it. Yeah. He's a far better reader than yeah. I ever was, but it's a, it's a different dedication to it. And so I love that for this reason, you best believe I'm getting this book. Uh, and Thank I'm you, excited. Man. Yeah. I was super excited <laughs> to read it with my son, but the, uh, this, it's just, it's, it's a super cool idea, man. This is phenomenal. But go ahead. I, I want to hear it. I want to hear right. it. All right. So, um, so the book is titled, so you want to be an athlete. And this is, um, a little bit of the first and second page. So it goes, so you want to be an athlete and play all types of sports. Let's talk about what it takes to make it on the field and on the court. So you want to be an athlete. I'm sure you could. But first, you better make sure that your grades are good. First, you must practice, lift weights, and stretch. But if you don't do well in school, this dream is far-fetched. Um, and then it just goes on and on about Nah, man. Just... Hey, that was, yeah. <laughs> you just keep going. Yeah. No, I'm just messing with it. No, you got you, <laughs> no, no, Don't no, spoil no, it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, 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 goes, it goes on and on and you know, just the underlining. I, I like to read this part too. Go ahead. Um, th- this is this one part. Okay. Please, you please. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, further down the book, but uh, one of these quotes in here always stuck with me as a kid. So if you want to be an athlete, just ask me. Hard work beats talent every time. Soon you'll see. Many can throw, many can tackle, and many can pass. But to some, a dream is only a dream, and a dream without dedication will never last. So if you want to play sports, make up your mind. If you straddle the fence, you are wasting your time. A long journey awaits, and at first you may not win. To achieve this dream, you must try and try and then try again. And uh, one of those quotes that I grew up as a kid that I heard, man, was hard work beats talent every time. Hard, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yep. So, man, it was just like always it just it instilled, you know, what I didn't know at the time, which, you know, uh, psychologically is I defined as a growth mindset. And it's just that mindset that you aren't stuck where you are. You know, if you if if you're not good at math, you know, you just have to practice more. If if you can't catch, if you're not fast, if you're uncoordinated, you got to put the time in and you can develop these things. So it's just having that true growth mindset where growth is possible and your current status isn't the end result. You know, you just got to be able to work through it and, you know, you know, get to where you want to be. And you'll you'll see the results if you put in the work. But, but yeah, man, the, the, the book was fun, man. I wrote it and I wrote it actually. I think I wrote it after I had that conversation with the Browns when I got cut, when I couldn't do anything but fish and 
Oh, so you you wrote it. Street. So this is a while ago you wrote it. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it. Um, I wrote it in 2020. I wrote oh, this one wow. in 2020. I, I actually, I wrote probably 10 books at that time. 10 books very similar to this. And this is the one that, you know, when I shared it with my friends and my family, it was their favorite one. And it was just, you know, on theme of me being an athlete that it just made the most sense to, to do this one first. But yeah, I did this. I wrote it a long time ago. I wrote it, yeah, three three years ago. So this is this is unique to me. I, I've never I've never seen this process necessarily, but I, it's it's going to publish obviously because something that you, I mean being printed and, and distributed. Where can before that on that thought, where can people find the book? Was it where where can they find it? Where can they buy it? So the book is available now on Amazon.com, uh, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Um, and, and a couple other retailers they, they, you don't necessarily always know where it is, but I know, uh, you know, it sounds weird yeah. that you don't know, like different, uh, distributors and retailers can pick it up necessarily without your permission. Once you, uh, enter into this certain database, but it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Walmart as of now. And soon, you know, for the Florida listeners, it will be available in, uh, Barnes and Noble, Delray beach, uh, physically. So, uh, and brandonbooks.com will also be live, uh, any day now. Wow, man. That's Kudos to you, man. That is awesome. I absolutely love that. And to understand the business side of it, just a teeny bit, you, in order to get it out there, you said you put it into to a database, sort of speak. Was there a publisher to it? Was it you just kind of pushing it through, funding it yourself? How did that work? Yeah, yeah. So it's all self-published. Um, so self-published, I own all yeah. the rights, all the intellectual property, everything. Um, from the business side of it, I did. I, I attempted to go through a, uh, through a traditional publisher, but it's kind of hard to, once again, if you don't have right. that credit report, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have no record of sales. I had no other projects out. So it's like, man, they don't even entertain you. Like you call these major publishing houses. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's like recruiting all over again. It's like, man, they, it's, it's hard to get in touch with them. Like they, they don't even, you know, they never even email you back. So I don't even think any of the, any of them ever even actually read the book. You know, they just probably get a million emails a day and it's just like, whatever. So, um, I decided to go through a independent press company, which they pretty much, man, it's called Palmetto Publishing. Uh, for anyone yeah, who I actually heard of Palmetto. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they um they hooked me up with the Illustrator, which I had to pay for. Um, they uh, put it through all the distribution channels, which is another service they offer. So I pretty much pay them to you know uh, give me an Illustrator to help me distribute it and to help me format it and make sure that everything is legally copyrighted, uh, trademarked, I got the right IBSM and everything just goes seamlessly from there. But it, it, it was great. And the, the, the best part definitely was writing a book, like, you know, just the, the business part is, it is what it is, but it is what you it know, is. the actual, it, it is what it is. Yeah, man. It is, it, like, the, the fact that you got it out into fruition and it's here and it's on its way is, is um, that's awesome, yeah. man. So kudos to you. I can tell you have a passion behind it. Just, just when you think, just when you think it's just you know another another NFL football player, nah, it's not just that. This guy's writing books. Brandon's over here writing <laughs> books. This is this is awesome, man. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. I would highly suggest if you're listening to the podcast, uh, check it out. I know I know I got a lot of parents on here that are, are reading to their kids. A lot of, a lot of moms and dads that probably have some more aspirations for their kids than their kids realize they have their own right now. Uh, so. Uh, what what a better message to send your kids in this book. So I appreciate you, just, Thank yeah, you man. bringing that up, man. So, well, good stuff. Any, any, uh, any general advice you want to give just, just kind of on the way out. I've already taken way too much of your time, which I appreciate, but anything you'd want to share just to those recruits going through that grind for the next level. 
man, one, man, you know, you you take care of your schoolwork first, man. Yeah. And I know as a recruit, if you're taking the initiative to go out and get this information, you're listening to a podcast like this, you're probably, you know, ahead of the curve, so I'm probably preaching to the choir. But if you if you don't happen to be, man, if you're a ninth grader, eighth grader, and you think you're just going to play your way through everything and get a scholarship, not the case, man. got to have the grades. you got to test well on the ACT or the SAT, depending on where you are. Two, man, you got to believe. you got to believe. And yeah. if someone telling your dream isn't realistic, I didn't care, and I don't think anybody should, man. If your goal is to go Division two, is to go Division one, whatever it is, man, write it down, uh, develop a plan, and make it happen. Um, and three, which is, you know, maybe – more important than one or two, but you got to perform, man. Go out there and ball out. Uh, you, you know, you know what you got to do every time you're out there. Go out there and play within the scheme and make plays. Because not only are these uh, college recruits and these these college coaches, uh, you know, looking at you know how you go out there and play and your highlights, but you know they cut on the they cut on the film and they don't they don't even know what play it is. You know, so. Yep. They're not just looking at highlights. They're looking at you, how you look, play 50, how you play, look, play one, how you looking to play none. So go out there, play within the scheme. You know, don't go out there freestyling. Be within the scheme and ball out within the scheme. And then on top of that, man, uh, you know, icing on the cake, make sure that your your social media is clean as well. Like I, I sat in these meetings with uh, Florida Atlantic University this year. I sat in with their recruiting department and I got to see how it looked, you know, behind the scenes. And Man, they they looking at a guy. Everybody bounces their opinion off, and before you know it, they're looking at his Twitter page, they're looking at his Instagram page. So you know, if you're on there, you know, doing things that you know you wouldn't want your mother to see, or your grandmother. Just imagine how these how these college coaches might see it. So it's hey, it's it's important, to, you know, yeah, to have a good image and you know to always be professional. So I think if you got those those you know those four things down, and man, the, your goals will come true. So go out there and make it happen. Oh man, I love that. It's just, I think I'm done, man. That's that's all. I, I mean, you killed it, right? I appreciate that so much. The uh, yeah, especially that that last message too, man. That, that the social media aspect is is very much a uh, over overlooked. I think from a high school student nowadays, they don't they don't think of looking at it, but we we do. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, we do. Uh, so I, I appreciate you bringing that part up too. There's so many messages in there, uh, and I'm just going to add it into uh, you. You have a unique handle. Uh, I feel like you could probably sell your, your own social media handles if you wanted, because that's a really good one, <laughs> but we're, it, it, it's, it's L underscore Sacco two, Right. And I think it's the same across yeah. all, all yeah, platforms. Yeah. So it's L, L Sacco two on Twitter, uh, L Sacco on Instagram, along with Brandon's books, but yeah, L Sacco, man, I, I came up with that. And, um, when I was at FAU and, you know, I was, you know, I, I, you know, it was, it was just a thing about, you know, just, Getting sacks, obviously, but you know, I just wanted that. I wanted that message to be there, and I wanted it to remind yeah. me every time we, I logged on that that's what I want to do. Man, I got to go yeah. out there and get some sacks. <laughs> man, I mean, hey, you were doing it, and and what's cool about it too is you talked a lot about having a good brand on social media, which we hit on this podcast a lot. But you live it, man. You actually have a really clean Instagram profile, and I've, I've seen it. I've looked through it pretty thoroughly. Uh, so if if you're out there, go follow Brandon Bryant. L under L E L underscore Sacco, which S A C K O two, the number two on Instagram. Uh, I actually, I mean, obviously Twitter too, but for me, I really love your Instagram. You did a great job there. So, uh, oh yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for hopping on, man. I, again, I, I took too much time, and I, I didn't want to stop because so many amazing messages. Uh, my respect for you is out the roof, like I said a million times already. But thank you, thank you, and yeah, appreciate it. Hey, man, uh, thank you for having me, man. If you if if you ever if I ever get the opportunity to come back, man, I'm all for it, man. Just shoot me an email or text. But I appreciate it, man. And I hope the um, listeners and viewers, man, you know, take take something away from this, man, because I had a a lot of adversity throughout that story that prop may may have been self-inflicted or you know whatnot so if you can learn anything from from my story to you know make it more smooth and seamless for yourself please do yeah that's awesome good stuff man well that's that's a pod I'll-